This week on our show, we have a special guest, Jeffrey Wittenhagen. And a Mario runner? Really? Really? To Nintendo Main episode 39. We are your hosts, Trey Johnson and. Hey, how's it going? It's Jeremy Mikowski. And with us this week, we have a very special guest, uh, Jeffrey Wittenhagen. Yes, it is. Hello. Hey, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm, I'm doing excellent. Excellent. Great to be on. Cool. What have you been up to this week? Oh, I have been stuck in writing madness because I am gearing up to get the complete SNES book to the publishers. So I've been nonstop writing, even though I did make some time for some gaming, which we all have to do to maintain our sanity. <laughs> what uh, what have you been playing? Um, I actually was playing Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past, but a special way. Um, I have an SD to SNES cartridge that has an MSU one modification that it does. That's a specialty of that cartridge, and it basically what that means for those that aren't tech savvy is that it's Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past with CD quality audio. Oh, nice! Freaking awesome. Oh, that's, awesome. so it's <laughs> so it's like orchestrated or what is or does it just make it sound better um it doesn't make it sound better what it is is it's like a mapper that was never released for the super nintendo that's on this cartridge and the cartridge plays roms off of an sd card and there's people who have hacked current games and put cd soundtracks on it with the rom so it reads these as like MP, they're not MP3s, they're like some proprietary thing that reads into that mapper, which is a whole bunch of computer speak. But basically there's people that have a forum, they put it together, they say zip here, zip here, and you put it all into a folder that the game reads and runs. And there's, I think about maybe a dozen different games that have been done so far with this treatment, but Link to the Past is amazing and even has a video intro from like a Japanese anime. Oh wow. That's that's crazy. So where do they get the audio? Where do the audio files from? Are they they're not the bit tracks that were on the game, right? Did they No, this make is actually thing? from the Zelda Orchestra. Okay. That goes yeah. around. Yeah, like there's a Mega Man X one where it's like a whole metal cover of the game. Oh yeah. From, with actual metal guitar. Like it's actually a CD soundtrack that you're playing the game to. Okay. Yeah, it's I was ridiculous. just ridiculous. That, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I was just yeah. curious where they got the audio from. Oh yeah, I guess it's you could a do super that cool for. Thing. You could do that for like anything. I guess you could put like the Wind Waker soundtrack on there. You know, on the sure did that or that's cool. Yeah, I that's, mean the the cool thing is is if because you can convert the audio on your computer and you could essentially put any file as long as you name it what the file's expecting. You can name it whatever you want, and so you could be playing Super Mario Brothers music with Legend of Zelda or something like. <laughs> be oh, awkward, sure. but you could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd that'd be fun. But yeah, it was a super fun one, and um, uh, I'm a member of the VGBS podcast. It's been going on a, a while, and basically we do this BS homework that we do, and we're gonna do a whole Zelda retrospective, and that was part of that. So that's why I was playing it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. We did a. I think we we did like a Twilight Princess retrospective thing. Ooh, on this nice. on this show. But uh, I think that's all we've done for Zelda. So Super far. cool, though. We're still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say I still haven't busted open my Wii U version. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, it was it was right around the time that that came out. We did like a retrospective on it. Oh, cool. I've been playing uh, Axiom Verge on Wii U. It just came oh. out just came out last week, so it's okay. a lot of fun. I've been playing that as well. It's, oh, uh, that game's awesome. <laughs> it is. I, I bought the soundtrack too on iTunes because I really liked it. I bought it for like ten bucks. So, so how far have you gotten in it? Because I originally got the PS4 version when it came out, and I got to a point where, like, you know, it's Metroidvania style, and I kind of got stuck. And then I, when I only have so much time to dedicate to a game, and then like maybe an hour or two a day, and I just didn't go back to it after maybe my second or third time playing. Oh, for sure. I just got like the electricity weapon that shoots like a it shoots like a ball of electricity in front of you. Yeah. And it only and and that's I just got there to where I can open some of the doors from there. But it's a hard okay. game. Like I was getting killed and whatever I got to after that. But I've only like I said I don't have a whole lot of time to play either. So I've only I've only gotten like a few hours into it, but it's been fun from what I played of it. Have Have either of you gotten the little um, alien, the face hugger that you can like warp into and then go through little corridors? No, no, not yet. I actually just started playing it today myself. Okay, so. but how about the reality warper where you can glitch out levels? I haven't gotten that yet either. I mean, there's levels that are already kind of like shaky and glitchy. It's giving walking you a through. Hint. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they know, show the, the game is so creative. I mean, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's it's one of my favorite games of last year that was released for the PS4. Sure. Yeah. Wasn't it a? Didn't the guy who make it? Didn't he used to work like with Nintendo directly? Was I correct on that? Um. Yeah, he I, was part of the getting the indie games off the ground. Yeah, he was the indie guy, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. I, I remember reading about that. And it's like one dude that programmed it all, which was the craziest part of it all. Yeah, and he did like the soundtrack too. I think. Oh yeah, I think you did. I think you did all of it. But yeah, it's it's super cool. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those games, man. Like, <laughs> I'm glad. It, I mean, I'm glad it claimed came to Nintendo. I mean, I have a, a my roommate has a PS4 also, but it's always nice to play things on Nintendo when it's available. Yeah. Now, did it was it also ported over to the PS Vita finally? Because I haven't really been following it. I don't know. I haven't been following it either. Because I heard it was going to be like cross-play. So if you already bought the PS4, you could get the Vita one for free. So that way, and your saves carry over. So I could play it on my Vita that is collecting dust. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, I, yeah, it's it's a that's that's an interesting system. <laughs> it's a it's a nice system. They just uh, they just kind of I guess they've kind of abandoned it a little bit. Well, it's it's like the indie bre- homebrewers and indie game developers haven't done that because all the limited run games they have a Vita port and people are rabid about it. But it's like Sony itself like crapped on it. <laughs> Oh, it looks yeah. like it is out for Vita. It came out in April. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. See, I really haven't been following it then. <laughs> I'm a slacker. It's, that's awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, there was something know. interesting that you guys mentioned, which was that you don't have time, which is always an interesting aspect that I like to see other gamers and you know people that are also doing podcasts and things. Is like, as we get older, we start doing projects. Like, we have less time to dedicate to what we're passionate about, even though we're doing awesome you know endeavors. Like, I'm writing books. You guys are doing podcasts. I'm doing a podcast every once in a while too. Like it's a interesting aspect, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, editing this podcast is kind of taking up a lot of my time. Plus, I do. <laughs> plus, I do. A, I, I do like a, a movie podcast with my girlfriend also, and oh, I also geez. and I also do like a video game radio show type thing, like once a month, where I record like where I put together like a mix tape sort of of video game songs and put that on here also. So that's there's awesome. like other shit that I work on also that kind of takes up a lot of time. And yeah, that's one thing like listeners don't ever understand is like, I don't do the editing for mine. It is a intensive beast. It takes like, forever. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it, it's on, it's unimaginable. And like the guys, you guys that do the audio, audio editing, my hat's off to you for sure. 
Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who has a podcast. He lives in L.A., and uh, he came up to Chicago to hang out. We went out drinking, and I was like, we we both edit. So I was like, man, editing sucks. And he's like, yeah, it takes me like four four or five hours. And I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm glad somebody else. Did. I, I know that I, that it takes that long for other people as well because it's insane. I started trying to do it at like one and a half speed to make it, to make the listening to it a little bit easier because you can play it a little bit faster, you know. But it yeah, still takes, yeah, it still takes forever because I try to like I try to edit out my own my stuttering or like coughs or silences and stuff like that oh to make it yeah and faster. you have to be a little bit ocd to do it my cousin who's the co-host of, of vgbs does that and he's ocd so it's really bad like he goes through three times editing or something like that it's insane. oh wow yeah <laughs> i just go by i go through it like second by second pretty much and like look at you know try to clean it up as best i can oh okay but yeah <laughs> always but good anyway. man always good <laughs> yeah but anyway back back to back to the games I mean, well, I mean, the other the other aspect is is that I feel a little bit of the pain because I had to do my Kickstarter video for when I did the complete NES last year, and it was a beast to the point where this year I actually um Wood from you know Beat 'Em Ups did my editing for the Super Nintendo Kickstarter. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel it, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no way. You guys saw the announcement of the Mario Runner today, right? On, on iOS, yeah, Super, Mar- uh, Super Mario Run. Shigeru came out himself and uh, introduced it at Apple's event. Yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. It was what kind of mind blowing to see yeah. him on an Apple thing. What do you think about that? I mean, I, th- I mean, I'll get it. It looks fine. I mean, they're not going to charge for it, are they? It's going to be like free to play. Like, uh, actually, like it says me- it is not free to play. Oh, wait, I, I've, I, yeah, I've, I've seen videos, reaction videos, where they said, "Oh, it's going to be free to play with a buy-in thing." But I think it was one of the other videos that I saw on it, and they said they are smartly not making it free to play, and it's going to be like a single price, even though I don't think it's announced. Yeah, I was wondering so, about that because it looks pretty good. I mean, it looks pretty good for a free-to-play thing. So, so really, what's going to make or break it in the casual market is the price. Because if they decide to do a, a Square Enix-style $20 game, it's going to yeah. be a no-go. Yeah. But if they do, like, a couple bucks, everybody will buy it. Under $5, it's it's a seller. If it's 5 or more, it's going to be iffy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I'll pay, like, 5 for it. If it's five, it depends on what ends up happening. You know, I think it's important that there's some sort of demo at least, or you can play the first few levels for free. They've got to do that. That's yeah. the only way a mobile game will sell. I think. Well, there's got to be a free demo. There, there's no way it wouldn't. You know what I mean? But um, it, I mean to me, a, a guy who doesn't stop running in a Mario game typically, like it won't be much different than me playing Super Mario Brothers. But <laughs> it'll just be interesting how the infinite runner aspect is because I'm not a huge fan of playing those more than for like ten seconds. Sure, it doesn't look like it's forever though because there's flags and then some of the levels like they they end. You, know, you yeah. can, like, get to the end and get a score and all that. Did you ever play like the NES remix games on on Wii U? Oh yeah, th- absolutely. It, it reminds me of that, like because they have they had levels on there where Mario would just run and you would just hit jump. And I guess mm-hmm. that's I guess it's kind of like a precursor to this. Okay, yeah, I mean that does make sense. I, I do remember doing that, and I, I mean if they break it out with short enough levels, like a real Mario, like original Mario game, it might be fun just to try to beat your own times and get your beat your own scores, maybe because the times should be the same, but maybe beat your own scores or something at a level. Sure, it could be a I, nice big hit. I definitely am not that surprised. It seems like a no brainer to if they're going to start doing mobile games to do a Mario running game. Like, yeah, he already lends himself well to that. You don't have to change anything about Mario to make it work. For sure. 
Very, very interesting. Yeah. I think what was the other thing that they announced on the Apple thing was Pokemon Go's going to the Apple Watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. They did say that as well. Yeah, for for all the... I don't mean to offend anybody if they bought one, but I was going to say, like, for the the five people who bought Apple Watches, you know, they can use that. <laughs> I, I've surprisingly <laughs> recently seen a lot of, like, neighbors around here sporting the Apple Watch, and I was, like, picking their brain on why it's cool or not, and I really haven't been 100% sold on it, but if I can get a Black Friday deal on it or something, I might be tempted, but at 300, was it 300 bucks or 200 bucks? I, yeah, I don't know. My my brother-in-law has one, and he, well, but he's, like, a techie guy, like, he bought it, like, right when it came out, yeah. but he was saying, he's like, eh, it's not really worth it, <laughs> but, yeah, that, but this was, I... like, when it first came out, so maybe he likes it more now, I don't know. I mean, if I could replace my cell phone with it, I would because I hate carrying around cell phones. I'm old school. Like, I didn't get a cell phone till like, much, much later. And, oh, like, for so sure. I, so I basically had to because it was cheaper than the landline. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I did too. I, I don't think I ended up getting one until like 2002 or 2003, I think. Oh, I was I was later than that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, for get, my job, yeah. I had to have it. <laughs> sure. I mean, I didn't get a smartphone until like, I don't know, 2009 maybe, I think. Oh, when, yeah. my old blackberry but yeah now it's pretty much like they give you so many free little upgrades to keep you going forever that it's like i don't know i never want to update my wife's like it's free okay <laughs> oh yeah sure yeah i got some discount on mine for like doing like the two-year count contract or whatever yeah definitely yeah i i actually to a point one time i moved over to the ipad mini for my phone because i wanted to drop the phone and then like they still gave me more free phones too so then i had two going at once and then i stopped that <laughs> Because they were all getting paid off, so it wasn't like I was adding any cost. It was it was weird. <laughs> oh well. On the on the subject of Super Mario Runner, did you see yes. that uh, Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing the phone games got delayed till next yeah. year? I guess there was Japanese Twitter something like that said that they were delaying them. Because I guess we were we were speculating after the Nintendo Direct that uh, there would be that the Animal Crossing game would come out when they do the Animal Crossing Mini Direct in December because they're releasing mm-hmm. that update for New Leaf. But I guess oh, okay. those games are getting delayed, which sucks. They, they said that they're going to do some sort of Fire Emblem based thing and some Animal Crossing thing, yeah, for for mobile. But I guess those are getting set aside for Mario Runner now. Well, do you think maybe they'll say, "Oh, we're going to delay it," and then when the Animal Crossing like lot direct happens, they're like, "Oh, it's it's available now," and it's a big surprise because it's now coming out quote unquote early. They maybe. always stick to their delays. They really do. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> do, and they delay right. all the time. You're right. <laughs> And they delay constantly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking was that when they did the Animal Crossing thing, they're going to be like, oh, it's out right now, you know, because they like to do that in their directs and say like, oh, these games are ready. But if they said it's delayed, I don't think it's coming out (laughs) this this year. So it's too bad. Ah, That's sad, sad times. But, you know, hopefully it'll be earlier next next year. Did either of you see that um, when they did the Nintendo Direct in Europe, they also, because they, they released the Virtual Console Skyward Sword, but they also released new Play Control Pikmin for Wii in Europe and Virtual Console for yeah. Wii U, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah, two games. Track, they got two games on the Direct. that at all. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to get a hold of that. Yeah, me too. I was like, why, why didn't we get it? So, so it's it. not getting released in the U.S. at all, or is it going to be like next year? I, I don't know. It's Europe gets... They seem to get a lot of games on the virtual console before we do. Like yeah. they got they got like the Xenoblade Chronicles game like way early. I know they got like Kirby's Epic Yarn like way early. They got like Super Mario RPG way early. Like all this all this stuff that didn't come to America until months after. So I don't know. They seem to they seem to get the better deal on that. I think Xenoblade is like what a year after at least. 
At least, yeah. Well, was it Xenogear or Z- I mean Xenoblade Chronicles, or was it Last Story that had to have the whole project rainfall for them to actually release it out here? Oh, that was for that was for both of those games. It was like for three oh, games. Both. Because Pandora's for, yeah. Tower was the third. Yeah. Well, Pandora's yeah. Tower got released on Virtual Console, so so you could play that on Wii U, which is cool because it's pretty pricey to try to get the actual version of it. And Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles was finally released on Virtual Console also, which I I had it on 3DS. But um, the last story was never released. But yeah, those were all part of that uh, the Project Rainfall thing. The last story was never released. Are you sure? Well, I mean, it was never released on digitally. So I mean, oh, it was, it was released as a game. I'd say because I have the I have like a physical copy. I thought with like the CD sealed to the front of it or something. Oh yeah, no, no, it was released on Wii. I yeah. was saying it was the only one that wasn't released digitally through Virtual Console. Oh okay, okay, yeah, because. The Pandora's Tower was an interesting one because I actually got the limited edition with a black Wii Wiimote from Europe, like way before it was announced for the U.S. Oh, just nice! So I can play it, and now that version is like uber rare. Oh, sure. Well, I remember the uh, what was it the the Monster Hunter like Monster Hunter Tri like came with a controller too in America. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, they did. Like they had the first um, classic controller Pro that had like the PlayStation handles that looked like on the side. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't care for that version. I like the first uh, we we uh, was a pro controller, but that was just like a Super Nintendo one, souped up a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. No, me too. Yeah, it was just a Super Nintendo controller with two analog sticks, mm-hmm. and it had exactly. uh, analog triggers also. Yes, it was. That's probably my favorite pro controller. For sure. Um, was it a couple other things? I saw that Camelot's doing the golf and tennis. For the new uh, the new Super Mario Sports Mix game that was announced at the direct, they were the guys Maybe. who did the guys who did Mario Golf and all that before. Maybe we'll get some light RPG elements. Maybe that'd be cool. I mean, that makes it. Mm. When we talked about it last week, I wasn't really that excited psyched about it, but that makes it a little bit better, I guess. What was it? The Game Boy Color Camelot Golf and Tennis games had the RPG, like the heavy RPG, and you could like import the characters to the 64 with a transfer pack or something? Yeah, I you think, could. Yeah, it was crazy. I never did it, because I don't think anybody really did. But <laughs> you, Well, you could also do it You could also do it with the advanced, with the Game Boy Advance versions in GameCube. You could do the oh, same nice. thing. Oh, nice. Where yeah, they I went back and that. forth with the with the Game Boy connector because they had the where you could connect your Game Boy in, in through like the controller port. Okay. So, you could, so you could do that for Mario Tennis Advanced and... Uh, and Mario Golf Advance. But yeah, they did that for both of those, and Camelot did those. Those games were fun. I played a lot of Mario Golf on 3DS because it's available on Virtual Console. Oh, okay. So I played now, that. Now, did either of you play the uh, Wii U Mario Tennis? Because I heard that wasn't that good, and I kind of avoided it. Yeah, I avoided it too. I haven't played it yet. So Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. It seemed like something they kind of just threw out when uh, Star Fox got delayed. Because uh. it wasn't going to come out for Christmas, so... They didn't really have any Christmas games, so I don't know. It's hey, when it's, they do that. Yeah, it's cheap now, so I thought about maybe checking it out, but I never got. I didn't get to play it. Well, when a Nintendo main franchise like a Mario game is cheap, there's there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But hopefully, this the new the new sports mix thing or whatever that they're doing is better. I don't know. Well, I mean, the last one on the Wii was a solid title. Oh yeah, the the Mario Mix one. Yeah, Mario's sports mix thing with basketball oh, okay. and all that. And yeah, like hockey's on there too, right, I think? Yeah, 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 okay. that was fun. Reminded me of NHL hits back in the day on the arcade. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I used to play uh, I used to play Stanley Cup on Super Nintendo. 
Oh yes. yeah, Amazing. that was that was like my favorite hockey game. Yeah, it's funny. It's, my wife's a huge hockey fan. She swears by NHL '94, and I'm like, I like Stanley Cup better. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you ever do? A, there was a trick in Stanley Cup where I think if you hit like Y or X, you can like you can basically hit the puck over the goalie, and you'll get a and you'll like score every time. Oh really? Yeah. No, I so did I, not know that. So like I, I went through the whole game and like got the got the cup and like beat the whole game and I ended up with like twenty to like zero or whatever like in the last game because I would just <laughs> go and 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 do the do the move where I flip the cup over the goalie and get a, get a score every time. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. It's really cool though. Yeah, because that's the one I I didn't know about that one, but I used to just play because it wasn't super hard, but it was it was very approachable for being like a pseudo three D gameplay for Stanley. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that NCAA game, if you remember that. It kind of sort of mm-hmm. had the same, like, behind-the-character view. Yeah, they tried to utilize Mode 7 in a few of them, and yeah. they, look, they looked okay back in the day. They, didn't, they don't really hold up nowadays, because I've had to play all of them recently for the Super Nintendo book, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played Stanley Cup in a while, or, or yeah. NCAA. Did, so un- you played... It's unfortunate. <laughs> sure. We'll get into the preparations for the book. Oh yes, yeah. in a, in a second. Um, now that we're on the sport uh, subject of sports, we're supposed to get uh, Mario Strikers charged on the eShop. Oh really? Oh shit! Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, we're also getting a Jotun, that Jotun game, which already came out for for PS4, I'm sure. But it's but that's like their indie of the week. Month of week. indies. Yeah, is that that uh? It's like a Norse mythology type thing. It looks pretty cool. I'll probably end up getting hmm. it. I haven't heard I of that. It was either on PC or PS4, but it was reviewed really well when it came out. Whenever, whenever it came out, like last year or so. But they're doing like a thing where they're releasing, releasing one every week. So oh, nice. I'm, plan- I'm planning on getting all of them. I think I think Severed is uh, at the end of the month. That like exclusive that they did with the guys who did um, Guacamelee. Mm-hmm. So that looks that one looks pretty cool. Awesome. We're also supposed to get a Super Castlevania 4 for the new 3DS. Oh, yeah? Nice. If you want to buy that game again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have the actual cart. I don't know. If, actually, I have a CIB. I'm looking at it. <laughs> like, I don't know if I need it for the 3DS. Oh, sure. Well, it's portable. It's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, I I had, I mean, I had a ton of cartridges. Actually, both, both Jeremy and I, like, at hard times, we kind of sold some of our some of our Super Nintendo cartridges. So I, yeah. I don't have as many as I used to, unfortunately. I think I sold Super Castlevania 4, but... Yeah. Life I happens, did, I did, man. Life happens. I didn't have it. It broke my heart. Like, we both we both sold our Chrono Trigger cartridges, Whoa. so... Yeah, that's, like, the, that's the worst. Uh, I made I made a mistake one year. My sister bought me uh, the CIB version, but the box was a little rough, and I ended up uh, selling the. Where my wife ended up selling the box, and now I use those box protectors, and it doesn't matter if the boxes have a little patina; they makes the box look awesome. And oh, I'm sure. like, I'm like, ah, oh, now I don't have the box for Chrono Trigger. Should have kept the box. Should have kept yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you got the cart right. Oh yeah, absolutely. My, it's one of my daughter. My daughter's four, and it's one of her favorite games. Oh nice. Does the save memory still work on that? I've ironically never had an issue with any battery save failing. Knock on wood. Like, no. I have like my, yeah. Because my Final Fantasy, my Final Fantasy six slash three, the one I that I had in high school that I played through, the save the save battery died on that. Oh jeez. Yeah. So. I ended up selling that one, but I didn't feel as bad about selling it because the save battery was gone, so I couldn't really... I'd have to play the whole thing in one sitting, and that would take, like... That'd be insane, you know? It's like the Super Nintendo one. Yeah, pretty much, (laughs) until it burns out. Oh, they don't burn out. I mean, I catch my daughter. She plays um, Fun and Games and Mario Paint, which are both, you know, Super Nintendo mouse-compatible, and she plays them, and I notice that my Super Nintendo's been on for, like, days straight, because I'll look, and I'll be like, oh, it's still on. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Mm. She hasn't played it since Thursday. Last I, week. I, I know that the NES would overheat because my when I was a kid, my my older sister she uh, she overheated our NES playing Super Mario Brothers two. Well, did you have that. it on carpet or something? That's the other thing. Uh, it was in. I mean, I don't. I don't remember. I was really young, but I, I remember she played it until the until the NES didn't work. She had to turn it off for a while. Yeah, I was very very young though. But yeah, yeah, because that's one of those things. Like back in the day, like mine would either be on carpet or inside of a cabinet or you know, yeah, somewhere it, that's not conducive to leaving something on. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a cabinet. It was in like a TV stand thing. So. Oh yeah, that, that would make sense. Yeah, just like trying to put a new system in those and watching them explode in heat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. All right, well, do you want to take a quick break, and then we'll get into your books and whatnot? Cool, cool. All right, cool. I'll, I'll be right back. Me too. talk about your projects that you've done jeffrey a whole lot lots and lots of projects man yeah i haven't really haven't really gotten into it but uh so i met you at the arcade was the arcade video game room expo couple, yeah the couple chicago, weeks ago the chicago, chicago one chicago expo and oh you yeah sh- and you showed me the uh was it the nes collector book like what is what is the official name for that uh the complete nes which oh, okay. is um all the officially licensed u.s releases for the original Nintendo, the eight bit one. Oh, okay, but it's is it similar to the book that got that got taken down by Nintendo? Someone, um, I think we talked about that. It's it's not uh, the one that got taken down by Nintendo. It actually had Nintendo on the cover with like a seal of approval that was edited and oh, okay. all that. Yeah. So so they had to put like unofficial on it and they could release it. But theirs is essentially a um, more of an artistic picture book with like two page you know screenshots and like a tiny bit of like a little description of what it is, like a tiny text of like, this is duck, t- duck hunt or something. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's why Nintendo took them down was just because of how they branded it. I didn't put Nintendo on my cover. So, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, yeah. Good to go. Like, sure, it's, yeah. I, it's NES. Like, I guess just, it's the same thing, but it's not trademarked the same. And so, yeah. Um, but mine is more of a collector's book where I have a screenshot box art, um, and then I have a checklist on there for box cart manual that you can check off as you collect the games. And I did that mainly for myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I put a bunch of information about the games, too, like the developers, the publishers, how many exact players there are, which, you know, I'm playing each one. So I know if it's six players, there's six players alternating or something. Oh, okay. so, that's cool. Yeah, I get, get pretty far in depth on that one. Yeah, that was my second book that I had published, but it was my the big one. How I got on a map last year was the complete NES. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah. it, didn't you tell me that you uh, set a record also for a for a specific game, like with Twin Galaxies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was hilarious because um, the AVGR Expo was was smaller in scale because it was a first year, but Walter Day was there. Yeah, so. Like he's he's you know the original Twin Galaxies scorekeeper used to run that website and before that ran an international scoreboard and I'm like, well everything's slow right now and I'm like there's an arcade machine over there and it's called Enigma Two which nobody's heard of and the ongoing joke goes what the heck is Enigma Two the whole time, yeah. um, but basically I was like hey Walter if you, will you do an 
introduction for me and like then we'll talk about enigma 2 and then i'll set the first ever world record on it (laughs) so i did that live uh, and on camera for everybody was hilarious had you played it before no um i played it about three times before i recorded (laughs) and i played it just enough so i could flip the game which nobody's ever done before and so i could commentate while i did the record which as you know if you're trying to talk while you play a game competitively you play terribly sure yeah so it was funny but like it was just hilarious because that's like a classic billy mitchell story you know the pac-man donkey kong dude where he says like back in the day they used to go around to arcades in, in Ottumwa, Iowa, which was, you know, the video game capital of the world. And they used to go around and go, all right, let me go play Pango. And now I'm the world record holder in Pango. Like, but you're the only one who ever played it. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did that on a 1979 arcade machine, like, last week or two weekends ago. It's, like, classic. <laughs> yeah. That's it's awesome. a bucket, bucket list, man. It's a bucket list. Yeah. No, I thought about that when I first, I, I think I mentioned it a couple podcasts back, but... Whenever I discovered the Twin Galaxies like online, I would go through there. I was like, who has the score for this game? Or like, what's a weird random Super Nintendo game that maybe nobody played? And I tried to go through there and see if there was something I could, I could beat. But yeah, that's awesome. And Enigma 2. I hadn't even heard about it. Oh, me, me neither until that weekend. <laughs> and then when they said, oh, this is the only one known on Clov, you know, the killer list of video games where all the arcade collectors go. And I'm like, really? So then I type it in Twin Galaxies, no record. I'm like, yeah there we go (laughs) that's awesome let's let's make it a spectacle that's what i told walter and the the irony was is the guy who recorded me he recorded my um panel the night before where we had the guy who did the artwork for dragon's lair on the panel with us oh Um, seriously don bluth yeah um don bluth was the guy who initiated the whole thing and did all the animation uh the guys they had a bunch of artists that helped him work on it and one of them is Philo Barnhart, um, and that's who was on our podcast panel that we had. But he also did artwork for Beauty and the Beast. He did all the character animation for Little Mermaid, including the Little Mermaid. <laughs> like oh, the wow. dude is a legend. And his dad—I didn't even realize it. I recognized his dad's name once he showed like a video clip. His name is Ray Barnhart, who did all the animation and artwork for all of Disney movies from Cinderella to Jungle Book. Like did everything from childhood. Oh, like, that's insane. <laughs> Like, it was, like, mind-blowing that we're sitting there on a panel for our little podcast with, like, legendary people. <laughs> like, like, cool. these guys, like, the coolest thing, which was completely random, was probably, like, one of his lesser-known movies is he did The Secret of Nim. Oh, I love that movie, though. Oh, I yeah. love that movie. Like, that's one that, like, a lot of people don't know, but anybody who lived during that era is like, that's our favorite movie of all time. Oh, it's amazing. It's like up there with like, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Black Cauldron. He did that one too. Oh, he did? Yeah, those, those were two like super dark animated movies that I exactly. loved. Exactly. And, and, and believe it or not, Little Mermaid, he did the Ursula parts. He did all the dark parts. He did wow. all the beast parts from Beauty and the Beast, all the dark parts. Like oh, wow. he did, he added all the, the the cool stuff that I liked as a kid from animation. He's the one who like added that to it, which oh, wow. is like it's crazy. He's had an influence on childhoods. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. That, that's cool. <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, is typically we do those panels like a '90s nostalgia, and we kind of quiz everybody in the in the um, room that's comes to listen, and we just like do a big conversation while we're all like drinking beers. And Philo's like publisher was with, and he is like a a wonderkind. He was like sitting there like running the whole show, and the guy was awesome. 
Like, <laughs> oh, wow. he completely made our panel, like, legendary. It was, it was really cool. And then the guy recording it, video recording it, ended up being not associated with AVGR Expo. That's where I was getting back to when I started the conversation with. Oh, wow. So so he wasn't a part of the Expo, but he was recording ours because of who we had on there. And he recorded me doing my record. I found out he's the one who's doing the Donkey Kong documentary that's coming out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's like oh, wow. a really like good like documentary, you know, videographer. And I'm like, holy crap! So, so this is going to be an interesting video whenever this world record thing comes out, man. Nice. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. And that's just me, just some some um, you know, basically startup author, which now I've gotten my name out there a little bit, but still, I still consider myself, you know, a little self-published author type thing. Nice. Getting out there. What was your first book that you did? So, so my first book's an interesting one. Um, I am going to re-release it because of how the story behind it, because basically nobody bought it because they didn't know it existed. It, w- it went through a European publisher that basically folded r- like a month after my book went into publication. So like nobody had a chance to really buy it. And oh, trying geez. to do print on demand for a tiny, um, n- not a tiny book is like two hundred fifty pages, but like for a color book, it's it's expensive to do print on demand. But it was called uh, Hidden Treasures, Rare and Unappreciated Gems. And if you notice, when I just said that title, it didn't say video games anywhere. So they like didn't use the title that I had for the book. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, so they call it Hidden Gaming Gems, like generation by generation, because I cover every generation in gaming. And yeah. they're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then after you know my book was published and everything, then Metal Jesus Rock started doing hidden gaming gems. Everybody started doing hidden gaming gems. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, like... People would have saw my book and wanted it. And, so, and the cover's like yeah, blue. People love hidden gems, man. Oh, yeah. It's, the cool thing is, though, is that I've learned so much now since I've went through the complete NES. And like my first books that I did were like in Microsoft Word. But I've now learned InDesign and all the crazy you know layout aspects so when i'm doing the re-release of hidden gaming gems it's going to be not only is every section going to have more articles in them per like generation but i'm also adding the whole current generation of games so like an oxium verge probably should go in there if i haven't already written one i'm not sure <laughs> oh yeah sure <laughs> i mean there's gonna be so many games that just kind of get you know, overlooked in the current gaming generation. And us being retro gamers, we know about it, Oxium Verge, but does, you know, my nephews who just play Call of Duty all the time, do they know about it? Yeah. I, I don't know. Probably not. They probably <laughs> they don't see, care. They see the game, but they don't know the, the root of it, you know, what, what it's coming from. And exactly. Expect it to be a great game, which it is so far. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that first book, along with the NES one, and then my future side projects and future books. I do them all for me because I think they're cool. And I try to cover something that's never been done before in a book format. So like nobody did a hidden gaming gems, which I don't, I think still nobody's really published a hidden gaming gems book. Oh, sure. I don't, there I don't are a lot so. of YouTube videos I've seen, but I don't yeah, yeah. videos. But like as that. a book, yeah. Published book, I don't As a something that you could put on a coffee table and like just, you know, be able to sit back and enjoy and print. So what would you say, I mean, so you said you did one, like, for each generation. Like, what are some hidden gem games that you had in there for, like, NES or, like, Super Nintendo? Oh, let me pull out the book. <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind. 
Oh we, no, it's all good. I mean, we 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 kind of do hidden gem episodes, like we've done some nice. some uh, podcast episodes where we talk about weird RPGs that are available on like Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we say, obscure games or whatever. But we kind of well, do something like that. But well, one of the uh, one of the ironic things was in my first book, some of my contributors were just like, were just people that I kind of knew around the gaming scene, and they picked some gems that they considered like rare but not good. So they were writing like crappy things about games. <laughs> like I'm like hidden gaming gems is supposed to be like a positive thing. Yeah, and it's and so, they were yeah. they were European ones, so the the publisher took us. Okay. I published them. There's something to say for like, I do want to see a terrible game if it's rare. Like, I still want to see that. There's yeah. an entire to that perspective. And but like, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily a rarity value a that we utilized to um, put them in the book, though. That was the one thing. Oh, so. sure. Well, I was going to say, like, would it be like they say something like Flintstones 2 or whatever, because it was, you know, limited release, but it's not necessarily a good game. Like I figured it'd be that type of stuff. Actually, right. Flintstones Two isn't terrible. <laughs> it's, it's not awful. I I mean I've I think I played I think I played it on like a on like a ROM disc, but oh yeah, no, really, playing yeah. on the actual Nintendo it's, it's a little bit better. But yeah. you know the the rarity ones like the unlicensed ones that are rare, like a Menace Beach or something, Action Fifty Two or those aren't that good. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let's yeah. see for third generation. For NES, what did we throw in here? Looking in the back in the table of contents, which I don't even know if is all inclusive. Um, Star Tropics, Tubin, nothing extremely rare. Um, I, saying, like, I, I have Star Tropics. Yeah, and they're not supposed to be rare. This would be like a gem. Like, oh yeah, basically like Nintendo. The the key with that one and that one was written by a guy Eric Bailey, who now runs he runs like NintendoLegend.com and SkirmishFrogs.com. Um, Way before that, though, <laughs> he wrote that. But um, basically, he covered Star Tropics because it was a cool aspect that it was actually a Nintendo published game given away basically with like published heavily Nintendo Power, and really still nobody really played it back in the day. Yeah, I, yeah. Gonna, I mean that was one I actually got when I was a kid because I I read the Nintendo Powers. Yeah, and and they said it was really good, and I rented it, and I was like, oh, this game's amazing. So I didn't end up getting it, and I played through it later because it's pretty it's pretty hard, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a cool game, and I even got I got I got a Star Tropics two also or Zoda's Revenge. Yeah, late, Zoda's later. Revenge I didn't really get into, but actually it's almost a better game. Like, yeah, interestingly uh, enough, it's yeah, it's it, I mean it's they they did the whole like where you can like move while you're jumping now, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of weird, and you can do like the diagonal jump, but it, it's okay for for what it is. I don't think it's as as good as Star Tropics, but. Yeah, I like Star Tropics because it had that like where you when you jump you only go like one square, mm-hmm. and now yeah. in Star Tropics two it's a little different where you can actually kind of move while you're in the air and you can end accidentally kill yourself if you try to play it like you did the first one. That so kind of so they kind of changed up the control a little bit, which was which was annoying. But yeah, that, that's a cool game. Yeah, it was uh, yeah it was one of those. I guess people missed it, but it's a uh, it's good. We did we did a show about that too, and uh, and then you can get Excellent that on a, vir- on a virtual console. One and two are on there for Wii and Wii U. Excellent. Yeah, that's a really cool one. Um, one of the other ones I did from the second generation for the Commodore 64 was Space Taxi. It's a classic game. <laughs> like, it's unappreciated. Like, you essentially are flying this little space taxi on a single screen, and you're picking up and dropping off passengers 
And as you get through levels, like crazy stuff happens, like you're playing on essentially like a ping pong table and avoiding the ping pong balls or oh, wow. there's, yeah, cool. there's like radar towers shooting radar and it pulls you in different ways. Kind of like the one level in the original Ninja Turtles where you got the magnets pulling you like, oh yeah, <laughs> super creative game. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Like, cause I don't, I don't think I actually covered, I covered one NES game myself. The others were all by contributors and. You had one that was a bad game, which was Tag and Dragon, that one guy chose. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. What yeah. Terrible Game's terrible. <laughs> um, the, the one that I chose, which was because nobody at the time when I released this, nobody knew about homebrews, it was Battle Kid Fortress of Peril. Yeah, I heard you talk about that on, on, uh, on one of your podcasts. That's yeah. a, It's kind of like a Mega Man type thing, right? Kind of like Mega Man one-hit deaths, though. Um, oh, wow. And then, like, you have about five or six screens, and you hit a checkpoint in normal or easy mode. Um, so you can start from the checkpoint. So you can continually make progress. It's super fun game. Get lots of little power-ups and abilities. And turns into, like, a Metroidvania-style game because you can see spots you can't access that you come back to later. It's classic. And, yeah. and there's a sequel now. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like those. Uh, I think I mentioned it to you at the, at the, at the conference, but... I met that guy who made the uh, the real time strategy game for NES. I yeah, talked to Frank. him at the uh, Retro Gaming Expo, the one in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, Midwest Gaming. Or yeah, Midwest Midwest Gaming Classic. <laughs> this yeah, is what I yeah, yeah. That guy's cool. I actually roomed with him. <laughs> oh really? Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's also the current world record holder on the Nintendo World Championships. Oh, nice. <laughs> Believe it or not, his name's Frank. Yeah, he's super cool, dude. Like, yeah. But yeah, even, like, I've known him for years, and I didn't even know he's the world record holder. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I own, I, I hold that." And I'm like, "Oh, can I get a tips from you?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "No, <laughs> he's no, like, no." He actually, he actually gave him to me in the form of an interview, so I could use it in a book. Oh, nice. I was gonna say he's not like Billy Mitchell, where he's like, "Oh no, I won't tell you about how I play this or whatever." <laughs> oh, classic Billy Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, he's something. <laughs> yeah, he's always he's a really good guy. That's the irony. Like King of Kong, and make him out to be like a jerk, but really he's not. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I talked to him at that thing that I mm-hmm. talked to you at, and he seemed yeah, he seemed fine. I just I, I saw his panel later, and he seemed kind of a little confused about because uh, he was always talking about all this random stuff. Oh, that's how he does it, though. He yeah. doesn't have anybody to steer him in the right direction when he's on his own. Yeah, they kind of just let him go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is. Yeah, he's just a dude. Um, let's see. So Super Nintendo games, did I cover any good ones? Because I know I covered a couple Genesis, like Pulse Man. Oh, yeah, I, play, I played Pulse Man. Well, Pulse Man was done by uh, Game Freak. Yes. Yeah, the, yes, it was. The, and it was actually available in Virtual Console for Wii. So ah. I got it got it and played it on there. Love but, that uh, game. Yeah, that's, cool. that's a cool game. Um, another one that I covered was Eternal Champions for the Sega CD. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember Eternal Champions, but I didn't. Cause, a friend, a yeah. friend of mine had it. Because the Sega CD is actually the, the sequel to the Genesis version. Yeah. And hey, the classic was is that they have all these unlockable characters, and you essentially have like a chicken and a chihuahua that you can play as. <laughs> nice. It's classics. And the, and the dog's name was uh, Yappy, and we have a chihuahua now at the house that looks like Yappy. <laughs> Nice, and it, but it's classic. not named Yappy. Um, we called him Scrappy because it was like Scrappy Doo, which Yappy does too. So oh, okay, sure. <laughs> well, Yappy was a dead dog. I didn't want my dog to be named after a passed away dog. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of morbid a little bit. Sure. 
Um, the, the, so the the main rare Super Nintendo game, uh, the Fireman for the for the PAL and Super Famicom. Oh wow, the Fireman. That was the the classic Super Nintendo game in there, and that's essentially like you're in a top down. It's almost like Capcom style graphics, um, but it wasn't like Capcom. But um, but basically you have two guys and you're going through like putting out fires on a Christmas day and it's really really great gameplay for it and everything. So it's it's one of those games that like once you play you'll be like wow why haven't I played before? So it's a co-op game. Um, I think that there is it's only a single player game, but there's like two oh. characters. Like the second character like has little like comments that he makes and stuff and. Um, oh. Actually, it was it was put out by uh, Human Entertainment, who uh, did the Fire Pro Wrestling series. Like, really interesting. It was like their main venture out of the genre, the pro wrestling genre. Oh wow! <laughs> but yeah, like the the whole um, selection was was interesting because I had guys that say, "Oh, I'm going to cover Nintendo. I'm going to cover Super Nintendo for my first book." And the games that they chose were like I wouldn't have considered them quote unquote hidden gaming gems, but they were, you know, of special to them. So I like to include that kind of stuff in my books where it's like, well, if it's special to you, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like sure. Dino Wars. <laughs> like Dino Wars. Oh, like Dino Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really mean, love Dino Wars. See, see, that's what we call um, on, on our podcast. We call that your gold medal games where just because like you don't like a game doesn't mean it's not my favorite and vice versa. Like Dino Wars, like I've never really given it a second chance, but that's like an amazing game to you. <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. I Is played it? I played some I played some of it, yeah. It just holds a special nostalgic spot in my heart. Yeah, sure. I mean I mean, that's what we all do is just rekindle nostalgia and try to create new nostalgia. Yeah, I would, uh, for, for me, like, I, I, I'm like a huge comic book fan, so most of the old, like, I used to play a lot of old, uh, superhero, Super Nintendo games. So even though they're not that good, I still, I mean, there's a spot in my heart for, like, Maximum Carnage and, like, uh, Separation like Anxiety. Yeah, or, or, like, the Batman Returns game, like, that was on Super Nintendo, like, stuff like that. Or, like, Adventures of Batman sure. and Robin. I thought that one was really cool. The animated series oh, yeah. one. But like stuff like that, and I and I buy I, like I like I like that one for the Super Nintendo, not the Genesis. Yeah, the Super Nintendo one. That's what I'm talking about. The the Genesis one was more of a shoot 'em up thing. Oh, but the Super like, Nintendo one we was played great. that for we played that for BS homework. The Genesis one, and I hate that game now. Yeah, it's, it, it's not good, but the Super Nintendo one is excellent. The, the irony is though, there are people that swear by that game. They love it. They love the music and everything. But having to play it to beat it. I, I lost all hope and interest in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. it's, it's it's fun in a short stint, but when you try to play it and you're sitting there grinding out a level for like hours because it just takes forever to grind out a, an enemy, like it's yeah, yeah. like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, people argue about stuff like that all the time. It's like that whole uh, battle between the two Aladdin games. Oh, yeah. Uh, like uh, Genesis and Super Nintendo, like people fighting back and forth on those. Mm-hmm. I never really, I mean, I just, I don't know. I played both of them. I thought the Genesis one was a little bit better, but, you know, people mm-hmm. have their own ideas on it. Well, it goes back to, you know, Dino. It's that, you know, maybe that's that person's nostalgia because they grew up with a Genesis or Super Nintendo. It's the same thing, really. Sure. It's whatever you prefer. Because it's, it's, all, it's slightly different in gameplay. So I enjoy both, like, personally. I think the Genesis one, even though I've played all the way through the, Super Nintendo version. I think the Genesis one seems like it's got more going on as far as like platforming and kind of a light shooter element to it. Whereas 
the Super Nintendo one's pretty much just a straight platformer. Yeah, well, you get a sword in the Genesis yeah, one, Yeah, I was right? going to say, yeah, the sword, the sword kind of won it over for me from the Genesis one. For most people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't just throw apples at them to stun them. Like, Yeah. yeah Super Nintendo one looks better, though. But they don't yeah. Really. It does. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So, uh, what did, so what did you do after the, um, Hidden Gems book? So what after Hidden, next book? after Hidden Gems is when I did my Nintendo book. You complete NES. So I took okay. like a couple years in between and I worked on the Nintendo book and I was still using my rudimentary way of making books. So I didn't really know how to do things quickly. Um, but I put her, put her all together. And last year, cause my first book was released in like 2012. Um, and then last year I was able to release the complete NES. Um, it was basically when I took it to Kickstarter, it was pretty much complete. And I just put some finishing touches and had it published by, I think it was before September of last year, when my Kickstarter ended in July. So, like about a month and people started to get their books. Um, but yeah, that was the, the major one. And then while I started working on my next project, I decided to do a side series of the video game Culture Chronicles. And so basically what I'm doing in book series is covering, I'm starting with my nostalgia, which is... 1990 because there's been youtube channels and other things that have done the 80s you know like retroware tv did the video game years and they covered seven yeah. 70s and 80s so i'm like nobody's really done the 90s nobody's been covering the 90s that's my favorite time in gaming i might as well just start in 1990 with the launch of you know mario 3 and go from sure. there and yeah. you know that's that's my favorite time um and everybody's read those and instead of doing the minimalistic style like i did with the complete nes i you know learned in design in between the nes and the culture chronicles and i have extravagant uh, layouts now with full art and you know it's almost like a video games a gamer's comic book that's really what people have told me it is and it's essentially going to be a britannica for video games too because it's going to cover every year and all the main gaming events for every console um it's a really cool little piece and, you know, I'm just covering everything about anything. If I know people that participated or if I can find them, I do interviews. So, you know, Nintendo World Championships happened in 1990. I actually had interviews with Thor Ackerlin and Robin Mahara and Chris Tang, who all participated in it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they're all in there. And then, of course, Frank. Uh, was a world record holder, so he did his his how to you know play the game well and in the Nintendo World Championships. And the irony that the thing that I learned from that was that the Tetris game drops the blocks exactly the same time every time. So that's how you can maximize your score in the World Championships. Oh, wow. He memorized the Tetris. Level. He memorized the Tetris patterns, and that's how you wow. can maximize the game. I, was, I thought that was interesting. That's a good thing to know. Yeah, yeah, it's super, <laughs> wow. super cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have a photographic memory, so I basically would have to play it a million times anyways. But, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. And then, and then, so I was, my original intent with the Culture Chronicles was I was going to try to get the books out quarterly, do them shorter, and then there's just too much stuff per year. So it ended up turning out to be a lot, a lot longer. My 90 book was, is, ended up being 150 pages instead of 100. And then 91 is over, is like 200 pages, so oh. or even more, I think. But yeah, it's it's insane. So yeah, so the key is, is I actually just got um, I had 91 at the Chicago Expo, but it was the proof copy. So now I have the um, the full print run that came in 
actually last week okay. and they're all mailed out now to, to all the backers nice and that that was the one that had uh mario and sonic on the front right i think I yeah think I looked at some of that yeah the console, the console wars. wars yeah yeah mm-hmm. nice yeah that one had the console wars on it and so that one i have an interview with steven lucas who won the nintendo campus challenge that happened that year um who who goes to galloping ghost arcade in chicago he lives out there in chicagoland Oh, nice. Yeah, I I talked with him online, though, and he just happened to be there, which is pretty cool. Um, nice. And this one was the first time I actually had some guys, other um, writers in the community, like Hardcore Gaming 101. It's a pretty big writer in the, you know, the niche retro gaming community. Um, he got some con- contributions from him. Um, and in both books, actually had um, Paul from uh, from PCEngine.co.uk, Paul Weller, who's done a few books himself on the Turbo Graphics and PC Engine. Oh, okay. So, so cool. yeah, I'm trying to get you know contributors to, so it can make it like a community book, which you know actually got out of hand with my latest project. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. my Super Nintendo project that went to Kickstarter this year is fully funded and seven hundred percent funded or eight hundred percent funded or something. And that's oh. like the complete. It's like the complete Super Nintendo, right? Like similar to the complete NES book. Exactly. It's it's the complete SNES. It covers everything for the Super Nintendo, including the unlicensed game, the one that they had. Um, <laughs> PAL exclusives, variants, un- unreleased games, home basically games. Uh, Noah's Ark, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, just, Noah's just, Ark super, yeah. just Super Noah's Ark was the yeah, only yeah. unlicensed game. But yeah. um, but I, with the complete NES, the reason why it's only the licensed one is because I didn't know really like about Kickstarter, how many people would back it, and I think I was like eight hundred dollars short of the stretch goal to add all those to the Nintendo book last year. Oh, okay. So I didn't do that this year. I said I want everything in it to, from the get go. Um, and then I hit a stretch goal where I actually have a second book that's going to be written with it, which is the Super Nintendo Compendium that's going to be graphically like the Culture Chronicles. So it's going to be full page spreads. Oh, okay. Um, I actually um, used to run a website back in 2006 to 2008 or 2009, and I did a really long Zelda Link to the Past where I went through the entire game in depth, like dungeon by dungeon and I, i'm going to try to include that somehow graphically within that book i oh, think yeah. that'd be super cool it's like yeah, have all cool. the, have all the original artwork from all the dungeons and do some cool like stories because i i want that to be more personalized stories and anybody who's who was following or saw my kickstarter knows that like i think i have over 20 contributors from all over the internet like um, guys like uh, Sean Long from RGT85, Scott Squatch, some some of the mid-range guys, all the way up to like Gamester81, and um, what was it, the Nostalgia Critic said he's going to do a, a, an article. I got a metal band that, from a metal band. Um, there they do like a bunch of cool, like funny gaming-related stuff. It's called Psycho Stick. Uh, out in Chicago. They're from Chicago. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, they're doing an article because they're huge gamers. They actually have a Mega Man song that they do. Um, they were playing it too many games, and I saw them. Um, Gerard the Completionist. Uh, I, the Game Chaser said they would. Um, Retro Liberty, uh, the guys who do uh, the, you know, the, the NES Pursuit. Like a ton of names in the whole YouTube community are all going to contribute, and it all started with Sean Long, who wanted to contribute and goes, "Oh, I know all these guys." Oh yeah, 
And and when he knows guys, I know a few guys too. So I added the ones I knew. He had the ones he knew. And then it turns out to be this giant collaboration that's going to be a really cool piece. And, I mean, the whole Super Nintendo, everybody loves Super Nintendo. So yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be an amazing book. One of, my, one of my favorites with, with Nintendo is my, like my two top. Still can't decide. <laughs> or what, uh, NES and the, Super, and the SNES? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, graphically, the Super Nintendo obviously is a souped-up NES that everything looks pristine. But there's just something about the gameplay on the NES that I just prefer overall. To the Super Nintendo. Oh, sure. For like action based games and things. Like it's just there's something there that just clicks with me. But on Super Nintendo, there's so many amazing RPGs and in depth. Like my favorite game of all times is Zelda Link to the Past. So it's like, good. <laughs> it's a good game. Amazing. Were, were you upset that uh, A Link to the Past didn't get a didn't get an amiibo from the uh, Nintendo Direct? Because they said they were going to do uh, Zelda Classic Amiibo. But there's uh-huh. no uh, there's like a there's like an eight bit one and a Ocarina of Time and a and two Wind Waker ones, but no pink haired Link to the Past Link. I was, I was I was upset about that. Yeah, I mean, I want them <laughs> to do one, and they probably will eventually. Nintendo likes money. We all know. this. Yeah, they'll probably do it on their second run. But yeah, no, uh, Link, to, Link to the Past is amazing. I lo- I love that game too. The the, um, the irony was is that we were at the store last weekend and we saw a world of Nintendo. I actually had an Ocarina of Time Link sitting there on the shelf, and I'm like, oh. My wife's like, didn't I buy that from you? I'm like, no, she got me the Skyward Sword one back in the day, the rare, the quote unquote one that was rare, but it wasn't. Just people kept buying it up. Oh, so, sure. Yeah, I, I got the Ocarina Time Link though from the nice. new World of, World of Nintendo line. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I have a huge Zelda like shrine in my collection, like three shelves worth of every Zelda game and every variant ever released, including Japanese releases. Even oh, nice. CDI games. Yeah, even the CDI games. <laughs> oh wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah, mean, the Phil, I have the I have rare stuff like the Motion Plus, or not Motion Plus, but like the um, Zelda Ocarina of Time ones, where like they have a special aspect to them for the uh, release for the sixty four, like in Japan. There was like a special Rumble Pack edition of each. Oh wow! That that one in Mario sixty four, and so I got even those. Like I got uh, bootleg. Um, Oracle of Ages and Seasons along with the real ones. So I actually have ones that are in black cartridges that were never released. And they're, they actually work on the original um, Game Bo- Super Game Boy, which the oh, yeah, yeah. Game Boy yeah. Color ones don't. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, they're, not, yeah, the black they're definitely cartridges bootleg. For both. I opened them up and they're definitely bootleg. They have like, black blobs on them and stuff. <laughs> I even have A Link to the Past that on the Famicom. The, oh, yeah? The 8-bit version that was made by Waxing Company in China. Uh, <laughs> You know the same same even... company that did Final Fantasy VII on the NES. Oh wow! Yeah, I, did, yeah you... I didn't even know about that. Oh yeah, that was a huge one. Like last year, uh, there was this fan translation and complete graphical overhaul of the Chinese version of Final Fantasy VII for the Nintendo, and they all translated all in the English. They edited all the difficulty and everything, and people were starting to put it on cartridges last year on NES cartridges. So I have oh, a CIB wow. of that. Well, there is a Zelda Link to the Past that actually is very playable. A um, little weird because there's only a couple buttons, but it's very playable on the NES, and it's, it's fun. Yeah, it must be hard to, uh, to – I don't know how they would I – mean, would, can you just – is it like the Game Boy one where you just switch everything to whatever button you want? Like, like Link's Awakening? Kind of, and then I think it's like a select and certain buttons will do certain actions. Like, it's a little awkward. Yeah. 
but it, and, oh, and and it's glitchy as hell, but it it works all right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember years ago playing. Uh, I had an emulator on my Dreamcast where I could play all the old NES games, but also all bootleg games. And there were mm-hmm. some versions of a uh, Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country Two. Nice. And they weren't like ports of the Game Boy versions, but I mean, like you're saying, they were playable, but pretty glitchy. And I think yeah. I played through the Donkey Kong Country Two, and it only had like three levels, in it, and then it just was done. <laughs> That's those classic yeah. <laughs> uh, Chinese bootlegs, I think, back in the day, because like um, they also did a full Resident Evil on Nintendo. Well, did you ever did, did you ever play Mole Kart on uh, on iOS? Like that was the Japanese version. It's basically Mario Kart. Like the levels are the same and everything. Oh, nice! It, it, it got pulled, but it came out like I don't know five six years ago. Oh. <laughs> but I but I but I downloaded it and played it. The it's just called Mole Kart, but it was basically moles and carts and. You ba- they basically had the levels that were in like all of the 3D Mario Kart games were in there. Like they had like the ones from the GameCube and like from Wii and all that. And nice. Just, and they just didn't. They just took them right out of the game and put them in there and called them Mole yeah. Kart. Yeah. <laughs> basically made, it, made a couple of, grand. Yeah. I got a hold of a No Mario Sky. It's been taken down, but I downloaded it before. No Mario Sky. I haven't heard of that one. It was a game made for. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Ludum Dare. Ludum Dare. It's a game. Okay. Competition, and I think it's Sweden. I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have 40, or it's either 48 or 72 hours to develop a game. Some people yeah. threw together this uh, hybrid, like Mario and uh, No Man's Sky thing, where it's all side scrolling, and you could go to, to different planets, and the Goombas all look different from each other. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I'm it's not really heard of that one. interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say it's fun necessarily, but it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, no, it's, like, uh, it's like a 2D w- version of the No Man's Sky. That's pretty cool. Did, did both of you guys play the uh, another Metroid Two remake? No, I missed out on my chance to download it. Oh, I, yeah, I, got, we, we I bo- got it. We, we both missed it before it was pulled. I, I got it that day, and the day it was announced, and like, oh, of course it's pulled. <laughs> Nintendo was getting trigger happy back during that time frame. But yeah, I got my copy, and it's 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 outstanding. Yeah, I was hoping it's, they would just take it and then like you know just distribute it or just like produce it. Be like, oh hey, come work for us. You know, that would be they definitely make more sense. Testing before they would be comfortable releasing. Sure. Oh, they're they're, it's um because they're like a you know Japanese company that you know started in Japan. They want to originate their IPs seemingly from the original creators, or at least with input from the original creators. So fan projects tend to get canned. Um, it's it's really weird. I mean, it was it was just like when you guys mentioned the book getting pulled. They um with the NES Mini that they announced, you know, right after they pulled that book, they also mm-hmm. announced a book with like I think it's only covering seventeen games or something in the book. But it's a yeah. companion to the to the uh, NES. Mini. It's just a licensed game book. It's it's weird. Uh, I think it's by Prima or somebody, but it's like an like they're only covering. Guy. Yeah, like they're only covering seventeen games on. I'm like, well, mine covers every game. Um, and so does the the book that was pulled, the European book. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interesting that they would, you know, not just offer a publishing deal to that guy and, and just pull him. <laughs> but they didn't mess with mine at all. But I don't think I'm at that guy's level because he made like a quarter of a million dollars. I'm I'm definitely not at that level. <laughs> so just try to keep it low, to aim low, so you don't get noticed. Oh, I mean, if people want to support me to that point, great. <laughs> but I'm. I'm not, that guy's been doing books for a long time. Like, it's not like this was his, this is really my second Kickstarter. Um, and he's done. 
eight or ten or he's been doing it for a while. So I mean, it's it's one of those things where he already has a fan base. And what killed me was is you know this year all the European shipping rights went up, so I charged the actual shipping, and that kind of killed everything because people want to for some reason think that shipping a book should only cost ten dollars, and I'm like, well, it costs five in the states, but it costs thirty to get it to you in Britain. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's gotta go over the water to get to you. Well, it's just they don't offer media mail, which is which stinks. So, I mean, it is what it is, but that's why I told them. But um, I I hopefully know some people now overseas that might be able to, like, ship to a hub. So maybe in future projects I can cut international shipping prices down. That that would be nice. Totally. Absolutely. On the subject of the NES Classic, what do, what do you think of their games that they've chosen for that, for the 30? I mean, I think it's a pretty solid, um, you know, retrospective of the NES. Of course, everybody's complaining that Contra's not on there and Super C is, but other than that, I think everything's pretty solid. Um, I know they couldn't put Castlevania 2 because of the mapper issue. I mean, um, Castlevania 3? Oh, yeah, Castlevania 3. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, um, what, I wondered why it wasn't on there, because Castlevania well, 1 and 2 are on there. Yeah, it's it's a specialty mapper with extra sound chip, and they probably just didn't want to bother porting it. So there's oh. extra stuff thrown into the actual cartridge to make it run on the NES originally? I mean, yeah, there there was extra um, sound channels if you played on, like, a Famicom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is, it, is it, like, the same... Is that the same reason why they, like, have never re-released, like, Star Fox or Yoshi's Island? Because of, yeah. because of the chip? Yeah. I, th- I think so. Like they just kind of want to avoid aspects like that, like trying to do anything special because they want to do it quickly and affordably, of course. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that really think that there's going to be a, a second NES Mini, but I really don't think Nintendo's going to do multiple iterations. I I would really love a Super Nintendo Mini. I mean, oh that, that's yes. That's what everybody. I I mean, I'd like them to just keep going and make like a Game Boy Color Mini or like a. Or like a Game Boy Advance, you know that that'd be awesome. Like just make a little portable that has like thirty, forty games on it. They would make money off that, you know. Like make I'm a backlit like that, old um, Game Boy. I'm just hoping that Nintendo's dumb, just like the Neo Geo X was, where they just put an SD card in it inside, oh, yeah. enclosed inside of it. Like you know, they close it all up, but there there happens to be some easy way for people to hack it. <laughs> oh, and then it's just a uh, right, and then the the uh, emulator software's there and everything, so you can just mess around. with plug and play like i'm i'm already assuming that ben heck's going to be on it day one and he's going to hack his to be able to run something like that because i mean imagine like it upscaling to hd perfectly like they have mike tyson's punch out on there and i am i do have like world records on every boxer in that game so i'm gonna know if there's lag at all in that game and i've never played a version on a, a on a big hd screen without lag yeah i'd be interested to see yeah, I want to. Yeah, I want to know how the output on that is. If it's like yeah. actually, yeah, if it's if it's actually good or if it's actually correct, you know. I don't know I'm if you actually, guys are tracking the AVS that was just released. What's the, what's the AVS? The Advanced Video System. It is an HD NES that plays cartridges oh, yeah. and Famicom cartridges. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I saw it at the at the um, Milwaukee thing at the yeah. And basically, that one has virtually no lag, but I still think it doesn't play Punch Out correctly. Like none, oh, yeah. none do. Yeah, I thought that looked awesome, <laughs> but I was wondering how. Yeah, I was wondering how like accurate it is for the HDMI out. But yeah, that thing looks awesome. If they made one of those for Super Nintendo, I would I would totally buy it. Yeah, well, 100%. the guy's been spending many many years developing the AVS. the The coolest aspect that I like, which is why I'm going to get a copy, is the um, the scoreboard aspect to it. Um, 
is basically he's having this scoreboard, so you can plug in any game that has a score like Life Force, plug it in, play, and it records your score into a database online. Oh wow! Through the and, AV, through the ABS, through the ABS, and it goes to a online database repository where you can compete with people around the world, and it does it for like games that keep a score or do at fastest time. So, oh nice. And there's yeah, like a good. there was when when I was because I played one of the old test cart ones way before when they actually had the scoreboard online. And it was pretty tough to get it to save properly. Like, I set a world record on Double Dragon 2, and then I tried to get it to save, and it wouldn't. And then I was like, ow, oh, now my game's reset. Oh. Son of a bitch. That like, sucks. <laughs> it was, it was, I recorded it or whatever, but it was like, damn it, I could have had the world record for the game on their database and screwed over everyone. <laughs> did you uh, did you play two player where you can uh, kill the second player and get all of his lives? Did did you uh, ever do that when you were a kid? Oh, I absolutely <laughs> always did that as yeah. a kid. I mean, I'm to yeah. the point now where like I mean, my, you don't even, need them now, but even yeah. my cousin and I, we can beat the world record co op too. Like it's yeah, sure, it's it's that's one of our gold medal games. Like back in the day, we just that, we played that so much. Yeah. It's ingrained in our psyche. But they put they put that game on there. That's on the list at least. Yes, it the, is for the NES Classic. I'm I'm really bummed that uh that Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior, at least the first one, isn't on there. Like that would be, I thought it would be amazing to because they have Final Fantasy one, but it nice it'd be nice to see one of the Dragon Warrior games on there. Yeah, it was actually an interesting omission since you know back in the day they basically gave the game away with Nintendo Power. Yeah, they did, and now that now that uh, NX is like supported nintendo a lot with because they did all those re-releases on ds and now they're doing the re-releases on 3ds of dragon mm-hmm. quest i'm just surprised that they didn't put something on the classic as well yeah so i don't know I was very bummed. very interesting i was bummed about that now now an interesting tidbit about the nes mini did you know that the packaging for the states is the like later nintendo release packaging like the the NES 2 with the red bar across the top or the Mario 3 pack-in, whereas Europe got the original first release box art. Oh, no, I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, because when they announced it, I went to Amazon.co.uk and you could pre-order them, so I pre-ordered the UK version. It was the same price shipped. Oh, wow. So I pre-ordered that because I don't even think the US one ever went up for pre-order yet. I think it did. <laughs> I, I th- did oh, it? I, I thought it did and then it went away already, or did it not? It might have went up for a hot minute, but like I mean, I work during the day, so if it goes up during the day, I'm I'm SOL. Oh sure, yeah, and you gotta yeah. be you gotta be right on that shit. Oh yeah, like yeah. limited run games. Like if I happen to be not working that day or something, or if it's on a weekend, I can typically get one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If uh, if there was a if they did make a Super Nintendo Classic, like what what games would you want to be on there? Uh, they could well, be like hidden gems or Nintendo made ones, or you know, like what well, what would be a list. Well, all the standards have to be on there. You know, the Mario RPG, Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, sure. Zelda, Mario's, Metroid. Like, all of those have to be on there. Yeah. Um, I would like some random, like, Skyblazer, for example. That's a super hidden gem. Oh, Skyblazer. Yeah, I remember that one. I don't, I don't think I played it much, but I know what mm-hmm. you're talking about. I uh, Personally, for me, I'd like to see the Super Star Wars games on there. That's like a gold medal thing for me, was that Is series. It? I um I loathe those now, but I I liked them <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> oh. I mean, I, Super Empire Strikes Back, especially, was was like my favorite. I, I played the shit out of it when I was in high school. Oh yeah, and I know they're pretty tough, but I thought it was really fun. 
go, going more obscure, like games like the Twisted Tales of Spike McFang should be on there. Run Saber. I like, played that game. Oh, I played it on an emulator, but I played the Spike McFang game. Oh, yeah, the game's like super fun. It's yeah. not not that really that hard, but it's engaging. It's colorful. It holds up well over time. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of games in that territory that that should be on a um, a Super NES Mini. And then, of course, I would like to see some of these homebrew developers get on one. That's oh, yeah. why I, I was hoping with the you know because there's that guy Pico that did the um, the cartridge the the little plug and play for the Wisdom Tree games recently oh okay on kickstarter and oh, he was, a play for wisdom tree? <laughs> yeah because he bought the license to it or got got the go-ahead to create you know do oh, wisdom wow. tree games so he did a plug-and-play it was just essentially a nintendo controller that plugs into the tv but it's not hdmi but um i was hoping that somebody would you know do that for like nintendo homebrew games to get those out there more yeah, that's sure, a sure. that's a niche thing that I love. I love getting my new Nintendo games every year, and there was like thirty or forty released this year alone. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Like, um, I'm actually for a future project. Um, I'm doing my Culture Chronicles, but my next one that I'm doing for the Culture Chronicles, I'm gonna do the year in retro 2016, everything retro related that was released this year. Oh, cool! Everything yeah, that we love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's great. I totally read that. Well, because it's not in one spot. Like, like you have the NES Mini and the, the classics like that. I'm going to cover games like um, maybe Zeo Drifter that was released with Limited Run this year and stuff like that. Okay, um, yeah. And I Am Setsuna and Hyperlight Drifter and games that were retro-inspired. But also, you know, the 30 NES games that were released, the you know 20 or 30 Commodore 64 games that were released this year. There was like mm-hmm. 10 or 15 Genesis games released. Like... It's insane. There was a Super Nintendo game released for the Super Nintendo CD this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. only one exists, but let's make a homebrew for it. That's <laughs> of course. I mean, if it exists, then why not? The, the yeah. irony is the, uh, the game was also ported to the Super Nintendo as well, and I can play it on my flashcard. And, and it's you're essentially the CEO of Sony beating the crap out of Sony ma- mascots and employees because somebody found a copy of the Super Nintendo CD console. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's super like over the top, like, super meta, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like River City Ransom style graphics and like beat 'em up style, but it's like he's like a Super Saiyan almost destroying everything. Oh wow. It's it's really cool game, but like games like that, stuff like that needs to go on plug and plays to to get out there because you know it's super niche and not everybody can play that if they don't have the original systems. Like that's it becomes tough. And but I think at least me highlighting it and you know if I can you know get out there and you know people dig it because I think a lot of people would dig all the retro related stuff released every year. Oh yeah, totally. I mean like. And it's not been done. Another thing that hasn't been done that I'm trying to, you know, just get out there because I, I, it's the stuff that I like. I look that stuff up and I keep track of all that every year. I might as well just put it in a book format and make it look cool. Yeah, and it, well, it'll help out help out people like me that are looking more for those retro games than the new games. Yeah, you know, like so, when and, I say, and there's a lot of people out there like that. I think. Yeah, it's like when I say, "Have you heard of Haunted Halloween '85?" <laughs> and you guys say, "Well, I've heard. I heard about it from your podcast." But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like '86, that was just went to Kickstarter. Well, those are awesome beat 'em ups that are full games that would rival a Nintendo game that was released back in the day, and guys are making it now. 
yeah. for the Nintendo on a cartridge. Like, it blows my mind. And I want all those guys to get as much exposure as possible. And, you know, if I can write cool stuff about it and get them out there. And, I mean, now through conventions, I've drank beers with the guys. They're really cool, too. So, yeah, for sure. All more power to it. And, I, mean, I have an extensive homebrew collection. So it's it's one of those things. And, you know, you go from homebrews to there's documentaries that were released this year, like, Man vs. Snake was released this year, documentary. Yeah, that was. Uh, they showed that at the end of the AVGR. Yeah, I yeah. think it went to Kickstarter like three years ago, though. Oh, <laughs> but it was yeah. finally released on DVD this year. Oh, yeah, sure. It was a ridiculous one. But, you know, there's that. There's book releases that came out throughout the year. There's been a huge, and I want to do this as an article, a huge resurgence in vinyl. But more specifically, there's been soundtracks ported to vinyl now recently. A lot of them. There's three or four different companies doing it. Oh, the video game soundtracks? Yeah, you got the data discs or whatever that are doing, like the Sega soundtracks. You got a guy who was doing a low-key version where he did like a Legend of Zelda and a Mega Man vinyl and a Pokemon vinyl and like NES classics on vinyl. Yeah. Like there's and then and now there's games that are doing final releases. Yeah. No. yeah, that's awesome. They're basically gonna get to uh like I have like I said before, I have this uh, the WART radio show that I do that has like a where I just play video game music. Yeah. And I and I wanted to I wanted to like take it on the road and do like uh video game DJ stuff, like at mm-hmm. bars or whatever. Oh, and yeah. I have a feeling like once if they start releasing all of those record ones, then uh yeah, they'll probably get taken over by the real DJs that correct that collect records and all that. That'll that'll be be when it becomes legit because a lot of the DJs around here spin vinyl, like in Chicago. I mean, it's it's, so. it's a much richer sound. I mean, it's analog. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and the the irony is is that when you're talking NES, like when they're using the actual NES music, you're going digital to analog. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're just releasing it digitally, which is ironic. It's just it's at that point it's a cool attraction, and I mean. Vinyl's made a huge resurgence in the whole music community anyways because CDs were pretty much dying because of MP3s. And well, yeah. Now vinyl streaming and, and streaming and all that. And, and it's a cool thing to have it, you know, the vinyl, especially, you know, like I said, for DJs, it's, it's a big thing to, to have, yeah. like, actual records of, of whatever. So. Well, and, and plus the, the part that I love, which is why I do my books as large as I do them, because I make them full textbook size. I like the art on the vinyl. It's a huge art piece. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And you have something to hang up. Yeah, man. I love my artwork aspects. I mean, that's why, you know, my artist, I, I didn't mention this, but the, the complete NES, the artist is the guy who does Garbage Pail Kids for the cover. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, Joe Simcoe is one of the artists for the new line of Garbage Pail Kids, and he's done, like, all the classics, like, for the anniversary and everything. And mm-hmm. He's commissioned to do, he did the NES one and my Super Nintendo book, um, and they're both awesome looking. And, of nice. course, like, I sit, I sat there and did a panel with a legendary artist, you know, last weekend, and he said he was interested in doing some video game stuff, so I might be able to get him on for another book. Cool. Which, I mean, I do plan to try. If I can get my Super Nintendo books done, I want to try to launch my second Nintendo book to coincide with the Nintendo Mini release. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, because basically, like, the complete NES 2, I I would just call it NES Oddities, Rarities, and Obscurities, and cover all the aspects that I haven't covered, including a, you know, there's over 200 Nintendo homebrews, so do a whole thing on the homebrew revolution and how the Nintendo library is still flourishing today. And 
that would be a cool, it would be another co- complimentary book to what my first Nintendo book. And if I launch it right when people are rekindling their NES nostalgia by getting the mini, I mean, that just sounds smart to me. And it's yeah, already, it's sure. already pretty much written. Unlike my Super Nintendo book that I've been, you know, spending the past couple of weeks doing four to six hours of writing every day. Um, the Nintendo one's pretty much already written. So. It's, it's one of those things that I'll just have to spend a whole nother month on Kickstarter, which is a job in itself, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. It, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's stressful. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that it's working out for you, though. I mean, it's, it's, I've been very fortunate, honestly. Um, you know, it's been things through meeting guys like Walter Day and him helping me out with my original book release. I was able to meet people like Joe Simcoe and then know take advantage of those and pretty much releasing my kickstarters almost at the right times to where people were interested in what i was doing at the time like i could have released it a year earlier and nobody would have been interested at all like it just depends and you know it's people that are interested that also you know want that as part of their collection which is basically what i wanted part of my collection to be (laughs) oh for sure yeah cool super interesting man yeah, and right. and I'm you know I'm just very happy that you know how it's went, and I'm gonna keep going until I can't keep going anymore. Yeah. You know, I I work a full time job, but I do this on the side, and I'll just you know keep doing these on the side. The frequency might get a little slower, you know, if I get a little tired, but they will never stop because I might as well keep doing books. Yeah, kind of kind of my solace. Keep fighting the good fight, right? Absolutely. I'm a bit as as we said with the editing aspect earlier. Like I'm a bit OCD, so it helps. <laughs> well, you know us uh, us retro fans, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate what you're doing. It's it's oh, very cool. And, and in all honesty, like you know, I did all these because I liked them and I wanted them. And all, uh, my thoughts were, it was like, well, if one person appreciates it, I'm good. And I've had you know thousands of people yeah. appreciate it, which blows my mind. It's like, well, I'll keep going. Like if. If I had a, a group of like a couple people that enjoy my books, I would keep doing them. And there's more than a couple people, which is awesome. And I'm going to keep it going as big as possible. And anybody that I meet or you know help you know that I know, I'm going to help them out along the way. Like you know, what I mean, might as well keep the community getting bigger. Definitely cool. And I appreciate you helping us out for uh, for our for our show as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I love doing podcasts and. Uh, BS and I mean my uh, my podcast is called Video Game BS for a reason. I like the yeah. BS. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I, cool. I didn't I didn't curse on your podcast. But I don't know if you guys have cursing or not. I don't want you oh. to bleep out. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's fine. We just we we say whatever. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, we curse a lot on my podcast, as you yeah. know. So <laughs> sure, totally. <laughs> I try to keep it professional if I'm doing like an interview or something. <laughs> no, okay. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, is there any? Could, do you want to plug some stuff or where people can follow you on uh, Instagram or sure or uh, Twitter or whatever? I don't, I don't so know. So my main website is HagensAlley.com. Um, also, CompleteNES, CompleteSNES.com goes to the page, too. So you can see all my podcasts as well as buy any of my books that are still available. Um, that being said, all my books are you know self-published, so... Basically, all my supporters on Kickstarter are in reality, you know, helping make this a reality. So these are all my first print runs. So once this print run's gone, I won't have any books until I do like a whole nother, you know, Kickstarter or something, which I haven't even decided if I'm going to do more Kickstarters for the same book in the future. 
Because um, okay. if I go print on demand, that you know the the book that's fifty dollars will be like eighty because it's full color and giant. Like they're <laughs> like the only reason why I can get them down in price is because we do them bulk. So, um, but yeah, so HagensAlley.com, um, at GamingVGBS on Twitter. Um, I think Facebook has the tags now too. Okay. I think. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just the complete SNES on Facebook is the, you know, the main page for my books. They wouldn't let me put Hagen's Alley for some reason. No. I, tr- I tried to change it to that and Facebook's like, no. Huh. <laughs> so that's huh. ironic, but, um. But yeah, like I just I try to keep everything simple to a blog. Um, my Culture Chronicles has been on Patreon, but there's an issue with Patreon. The general population thinks that it's just YouTube channels going there asking for donations and stuff, and they don't realize that somebody like me can go on there and do book releases and charge people per book. So they think I'm monthly charging them or something, and so I don't get hardly any backers on there. So I think I'm going to have to begin to migrate that just and just keep everything in one place like kickstarter um oh, okay and i mean kickstarter has been great it's it's crowdfunding and i've i've released books so it's like you know the whole negative connotations of somebody doing a game and never releasing it like i've released books through kickstarter already so it's yeah. one of those things where you know it's proven that you know people who support me they're going to get their items <laughs> which For is sure. good which is yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I'll be on Kickstarter. My Super Nintendo book, though, is still available for pre-order while I'm writing them, even though the Kickstarter's done. Um, it's on Backer Kit. Uh, but if people can go to my website, you know, com, and there's a link there. Also, um, it's I do a tiny URL for it, which is it's just tinyurl.com slash backer. And when you go there, you can see all the items. And I actually have add-ons such as a full leather cover for the books by a leather maker in Europe who hand burns them and then custom paints them by hand. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like stupidly, ridiculously awesome stuff. Um, there's a leather-bound tome now for the uh, the Super Nintendo book, which I got a sample for my Nintendo book, and they're really really expensive but they're like old style tome from an 1800s bindery it's crazy <laughs> like it's just stuff that i do because i wanted to do it and i'm like well if somebody's crazy enough you know to want to back it it's there and i think five people got tomes and they're 500 dollars. that's what it costs me i didn't make any money doing the leather tomes it cost me 500 bucks to print my sample one and um i had five people <laughs> get a leather bound tome like that's insane that's like half of my funding goal like for the 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 print run like but that one is zero dollars going toward my print run because it costs that much to make them like it's and that's just to get them bound into the leather and not to print the books because i have to supply my books to them sure (laughs) like it's it's like doing book things but like i like to think outside the box um i think we did um custom consoles with this one you know how people do the custom paint jobs with the automotive paint and stuff and do like a zelda we did a zelda and the carter trigger console those sold out um we had one guy who did um custom controllers with the logo for the project on it got sold a few of those which was cool so we didn't put a limit on those um but yeah we have a lot of cool stuff up there for for pre-order still and those will be going as long as i'm working on the books um i'm gonna leave them up there once I order the print 
run on the complete SNES, though, I'm going to have to limit how many are for pre-order. But for the time being, people can go on there and pre-order. Very cool. Just so that's a definitely, long definitely do that. on where to find me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's that's what uh, that's what I want to do though. You know, make sure, make sure you have all the make sure they have all the websites and, and all that. Are you airing this soon? This podcast? Uh, I'll probably put it up in the next couple of days. So. Okay, so this well, weekend, th- this weekend I'll be going to a video game con in Parsippany, New Jersey. Um, I think Angry Video Game Nerd will be there, and a few other you know guys in the community, um, Pixel Dan, and I think the gaming historian, a few guys. Um, okay. And then in October, I'll be at Emerald Coast Con in Florida. I'll be in, what's after that? Retro World Expo in Connecticut and Portland Retro Gaming Expo in Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. <laughs> those nice. are, in October, those are back to back weekends. I'm going to be exhausted because I work full time during the week. <laughs> It'll be fun, yeah. though. The weekends will yeah. be fun. And, and that's the thing, like, I'm not going to stop working until um, I hit retirement, which isn't too far off for my line of work, which is good. But so I'm going to be working. So basically, I'm doing this for the passion and love of the hobby, like the rest of us are. Of I'm never going to be one of those guys for at least for 10 years or so. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's, you know, um, just doing this for a living and just going through the motions. Like, I'm always going to be engaging crazy. For sure. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, well, we we do it too. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, everybody that I know, like we pretty much all just do this for the the love of the love of the games, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So if you, so if you don't know, for us, uh, we have uh, facebook.com slash Nintendo Main, uh, Nintendo Main Podcast Nintendo underscore Domain on Twitter. That at uh, Nintendo Main dot podcast at gmail is like all our different stuff that you can email nice. us and whatnot um thanks again for for being for being our guest thanks uh, for having me on yeah, yeah thanks a lot man uh, we we've been your hosts uh trey johnson and jerry Mikowski. and uh we'll be back next week awesome Please.